Oh, I'm glad that you made it. <laughs> yeah, thank you for coming. New new technology and apps and all that stuff. But coming in, introducing producer, musician, Amerigo Gazaway. Thank you so much for coming coming back on the show. Yeah, man. Uh, Thanks for having me. First time on 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 call in. So how how are you doing today? Oh, it says you're speaking, but uh, I'm not able to hear anything. Marcus, are you able to hear Uh-oh. anything? No, no right? I'm not hearing anything. Uh, Marigo, I don't, I don't think we're able to hear you. Oh man, oh. this is the problem. Technology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, uh, every now and then you en- enter some spot that doesn't make sense, but then you got to deal with it. Yeah. And, uh, Marigo, if you, I don't know if you can hear us, but you might have to leave and come back. That sometimes fixes things, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. We need to just go back to the radio, you know. Mm-hmm. I feel like we can, we just go back to to, to just dialing in on the radio. Everything will be fine. It's reliable. Um, you know, we're gonna need it anyway when we start getting too subversive and they take away uh, just even the means to to utilize any of these forms. I have a feeling Amigo's back. Yeah, I don't, again, something happened. I don't know what's what's going on, but I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> trying to participate. <laughs> something. Keeps no, no, I'm, I'm, yeah, but uh, hopefully uh, it's more stable now. Or uh, how's it looking? Yeah, yeah, I just uh, something happened where I just couldn't hear you guys at all, and then I guess I just restarted the app, and now it's working. So, anyway, okay. what's up, everybody? What's up? What's up? What's up? How are you doing? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Um, so. We were uh, discussing, I think, you know, we kind of hit a lot of topics as we were kind of getting going. Um, but uh, I think kind of one of the things to start out with is um, uh, one of the more popular things, <laughs> you know, you, uh, you've done. Uh, if, if people actually you know, like don't even know that you did it, but um, you were able to, to, to have uh, one of your songs on uh, the Apple commercials. Um can you even kind of just like talk about like uh, a little bit not just like the process, but uh, kind of curious, like what does that feel like to know that, you know, like your music is kind of hitting like probably like millions of people. If, if I can interject for one second, like, can we actually like hear it before? Because it's one of the oh, tracks that we queued yeah. up. Yeah. So let's hear uh, it. And then uh, Mario, uh walk us through what, what Marcus was asking you about the process. And, and it was the second track, right? Yep.
nice. It's cool that y'all had that queued up. Yeah, and this um, is the good thing. Sorry about this whole app thing. Is that it's able to give us some little easy buttons here to press and and hear what we're talking about. But uh, yeah, the, the question. Yeah, the I guess yeah. What is it like, kind of being a, a kind of like a man behind the curtain, um, and have this type of thing go like wild on you know very popularized by this Apple commercial. <clears throat> Yeah, no, it was it was amazing and and really validating, I guess, at the time for what I was doing because you know a lot of my projects, actually, you know, the original Yaz and Gay project I got, I put out uh, the most Def Marvin Gay part one, the departure actually got shut down like within three days of me putting it out. Like I got a takedown notice and it just like I just got removed from my Bandcamp. Like I just woke up one day and it was gone and removed from all my platforms. Um, and, uh, and so that's when I went back to the vaults and started working on part two, you know, cause I still had a bunch of leftover stuff, you know, uh, sessions that didn't make the cut and I kind of started polishing those up. And so it was like, you know, if they're going to shut down part one, I'm going to put out part two. And so I did that like over the summer, 2014. And, uh, and then shortly after that, I got an email from a music supervisor at Apple and they were like, Hey, we love this. We're jamming to it in the Apple office over here. We'd love to use it in this Apple iPad commercial campaign that we're doing, you know, um, what's the deal with the rights. And, you know, I told them like, you know, as I tell everybody when they reach out to me with, you know, things like this, uh, you know, that I'd, I don't own the rights, obviously, like this, this was an un- unauthorized mashup, you know, I put it out for the love, you know, I didn't get clearance from Marvin Gaye or, or most def. Uh, originally I, I tried to reach out to the estates, but never heard back. And so, and so Apple was able to actually, uh, get in touch with both, you know, Moses camp or Yazin's camp and the, the gay estate and, uh, work out a deal where, where we were able to license the song, uh, in the commercial and release it on iTunes to universal music, uh, as a single. And, uh, and everybody, everybody was happy. You know, I, I got broke off a little bit of something and, you know, I'm sure, uh, Yazin and the gay estate were paid handsomely for their contribution as well. Um, and it's just like, you know, it was a great example of, of, you know, I think it's probably one of the only examples or one of the first examples of an unauthorized mashup or remix you know, then being co-opted and co-signed by the estates and, and actually utilized and cleared, you know, in a, in a professional way. And, and, and anyway, that's kind of been my whole MO and like my whole mission statement or my whole kind of, uh, yeah, purpose for doing this is to create a conversation about sampling and copyright and hip hop culture and, 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 you know, try to work with the labels and the estates and create avenues for new, new revenue streams off of this music. That's, you know, just you know not being utilized as much as it could be and uh and you know not being introduced to to new generations and and all that so um so yeah it was really validating and it was crazy to wake up you know and see it on the tv like actually during you know in between uh sports games and stuff and like my friends were calling me there was it would there was like a splash page on the home page of like you apple music and my friends were calling me like yo your song is like on the, the home page apple music right now so yeah, it was amazing. Um, and, uh, and yeah, you know, at, like I said, at the time, right before that, I was kind of discouraged, like, should I keep doing this? You know, my projects keep getting shut down. Like, you know, all these mashups that I put so much time and energy into keep getting shut down. But then when that happened, it was really like a big boost to be like, no, this is validating. Like I got to keep doing this. So anyway, so 
song. I guess that was a yeah, long-winded no, that, that was pretty uh, way of detailed. It. Uh, the, so the thing that you talk about about sampling is pretty uh, pretty cool because uh, I, in, right now is arguably one of the most like policed like intellectually intellectual property policed uh, times that we're living in where uh, you frequently see lawsuits of like even songs that sound slightly similar to each other uh, being accused of plagiarism and stuff like that, let alone like songs that were clearly sampled from uh, other tracks. So the, so the question becomes like uh, how, even though like the, the intellectual copyright uh, stuff is like so strict right now, yet there isn't any like, no, I wouldn't say any that that might be a cruel way to portray this, but like there isn't much like actual musical innovation where uh, that's the only kind of like argument that they have to even intellectually um, like uh, I put copyrights on stuff. It's that like uh, artists have are supposed to have more incentive to create new things. And yet, like when copyright laws are so strict, uh, there isn't as much like new creativity that uh, it's it's unleashing. Um when a lot of stuff that that's like, especially in the mainstream starts sounding the same in a, in a lot of ways. Uh, so how do you square that? Like how, how does the, the fact that we live in a very tight intellectual property regime uh, square with the idea that we don't have um, many different sounding forms and sounds out there right now. And uh, more, more stuff starts sounding similar when it should be the opposite. Yeah. I think that that's a result of the, that's a direct result of the strictness of the copyright system and, and sampling laws. And I think, you know, that's why, you know, we, we revere, you know, hip hop in the nineties and all the creativity that came out of that because, you know, it was a melting pot and people were like exploring their dad's records collections and, and, you know, sampling them and, and creating new things out of it. And so you got, you know, things like De La Soul and Prince Paul and the Beastie Boys and, you know, Bismarcky and people that were just, you know, doing so many innovative things with sampling. Um, and then, you know, and then when that, when they put a pin in that, you know, everybody had to go back to just using like the same Triton keyboard or the same, you know, Fruity Loops sound, you know, plugins, VSTs that everybody else is using. So now you, you get this homogenous kind of sounding music that all sounds the same. Cause yeah, everybody's using like the same gear and the same plugins and the same VSTs nobody's really exploring like the huge, like vast, uh, you know, abyss of music that's out there, you know, that's, you know, that's just waiting to be either flipped or sampled or, or just, you know, even just listen to for influence. You know, a lot of times I just listen to records. I don't sample them. I'll just listen to them for, to get inspired. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I think hip hop, you know, that was kind of the basis or the idea behind hip hop in the first place was, you know, taking something and creating something new out of it and, uh, and it breeded innovation. And, and yeah, I guess we just don't see as much of that now because the laws are so strict. Yeah. And, and it kind of like, it sounds like reminds me of like, uh, yeah, this company like Monsanto that, that controls like seeds for agriculture. And so like people can't even grow the same, you know, tree, you know, with the seeds that that are produced, you know, you got to buy all new seeds. Um, and it's like they've confined even like the natural growth, you know, something that is because it's not just like, hey, someone made this music. Like this is like part of what hip hop is kind of made out of. It's like one of the elements of it. Um, the DNA. Yeah. Yeah. To, 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 to confine it. It's like, 
Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh no, it, 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 it's not necessarily like killing it, right? It, but it's it's um, trying to numb it in a way um, that doesn't allow for actual like just more hip hop music and more music in general to be made. Um, yeah, I mean, well, uh, in the '90s, when 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 that Bismarcky case happened, and, and like I said, sh- sampling kind of got shut down pretty much. You know, we didn't have the technology to like fix it you know, or figure out a way to do something like what I did with Apple, where everybody like wins and everybody's able to get paid. And now we do have that technology. So there's really no excuses now, uh, you know, in terms of the labels and, and the record companies and the streaming platforms, like they, they could all work together. They had, there's technology now that we, we could use to, to make it where, you know, a mashup like mine could be on the streaming platform like Spotify. And then every time it gets streamed, you know, the stream gets split three ways, you know, one to me, one to Marvin Gaye, one to Yasin Bay, you know, and just like the Apple commercial. So, you know, I guess, you know, we didn't have the technology then, but we have it now. And, you know, there's really no excuses to, to not be utilizing it. Yeah. And I mean, like you keep, and I mean, this is kind of just like where the world we live in, right. We're like, people got to eat, people got to pay rent. Um, but when it comes to these labels, you know, they're just kind of making profit hand over fist. Um, I mean, for, for musicians coming in and, and speaking to before, you know, like knowing that you have like, you know, with your, within your family, like <laughs> generation of, uh, musicians, um, you know, how, like, is this not restrictive to people, you know, just trying to come in and being able to just explore art in general when, you know, yeah, you could even be able to make music and just ask people, Hey, does it sound good? You know, with when, you know, some type of algorithm can take it down within a day or two. Yeah, I mean, especially for people starting out, because, you know, when you're just starting out in any art form, I feel like, you know, the best way to do that is to recreate, you know, that's what people do in music, that's what people do in art, and, you know, all types of different mediums, they find their their heroes and their idols in that medium, and then they, they try to recreate what they did, or, or, you know, figure out what they did in their own way, and maybe it's not identical, but, you know, you know, the emulate your, your idols, you know, Pete Rock talks about how he used to emulate all his favorite producers and try to recreate all his favorite beats. Q-Tip talks about doing that too, you know, and, 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 you know, I do it from time to, you know, I do it with these mashups and I do it on my own, you know, I do it with some of my live session videos that I do on, on YouTube. And, and so it's just, uh, especially for people starting out, I think it's important to be able to have that freedom, you know, to explore and, uh, you know steal like an artist you know what i mean like that i don't know if y'all read read that book but it's kind of like a a book that's circular circulating around in airports but it's basically the idea of you know like all art is stolen you know and and no idea is an original is original should steal from every everything you see and everything you're influenced by you should you should be stealing it and like you know incorporating and into you know who you are as an artist and and, you know, whatever comes out of that isn't going to be exactly identical to what you stole it from. It's going to be, you know, an amalgamation of of all the things you're influenced by. So, yeah, it's almost like, the, you know, like, uh, Amerigo, you never listened to music ever before you started making music. Everything that you made <laughs> yeah. is completely from, you know, your own brain um, and you know, everyone's an individual in their own little silo, you know, nothing influenced anyone, everything is independent, you know, and that's just like, that's, that's just not how the world works, <laughs> you know, um, 
every, yeah, everything exactly. comes from comes from something else. Um, and it's all it's all kind of connected. And yeah, and these types of constraints are just unnatural, I guess. Really, to to, to you know <laughs> put it as, as basically as I could. Yeah, and and I think that like uh, to to take it in a in a in a slightly uh, different direction, but also uh, relate on a related note. Um, I think like basically um, what what this is also doing is uh, kind of limiting the uh, amount of things that you are allowed to say. I mean, like this is less, I guess, like applicable to producers as it is for uh, actual, like for the for the artist on the track. But I think like it's significantly applicable to producers as well if the artists are only willing to say a certain kind of thing, um, like a certain type of content, like, if if it if they're limited by genre uh, or like if if they're limited by what sells quote unquote uh, then the then i suppose the producer is also kind of limited by uh, you have to set um, you know that to a beat uh, you can't really uh, hope for someone like for example like if if everybody's talking about like you know shooting people and killing people uh, in in mainstream pop this is not like a, a genre of music anymore this is like basically the 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 mainstream um, and and like and or or like uh, of constantly um having sex with each other etc uh, if that is the kind of like angle that you're going I'm not like I mean I know I sounded uh, conservative in saying this but it's more just the 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 limitation of topics rather than um the kind of things you can say so amid all of this if you want to make a song that actually is going to be as catchy as much of an earworm um as like some of the the romance slash uh you know um, erotic songs uh then and if you want to make a revolutionary track that can actually have that kind of appeal where uh, it it gets as much of a wide listenership then the the producer has like i feel like a, an additional challenge where um you know you kind of have to grapple with the idea of like is anybody going to hear this uh how do i make this beat sound so that more people will want to hear it uh even if the topic might not be as uh, enticing to the average listener as like uh as like you know an a, a person professing their love or undying love or like uh, uh speaking about uh, how they're the hardest shit in town etc yeah i mean i guess i guess that's part of the producer's job is to is to you know, compliment the lyricists and help and help tell that story and help package it. So, so that people do get the message. Um, and so in a way, you know, I guess you could think of it as a limitation, but you know, uh, I, I guess it depends, you know, it depends on what you're trying to accomplish as a producer. And, um, and sometimes it can be a, you know, a good thing to kind of, uh, to make something more digestible so that people actually get the message. But, um, but, you know, I think, you know, yeah, it's a very different world, you know, between, yeah, the mainstream kind of pop top 40 hits world and, and the, you know, the independent world that's thriving now. Because, you know, really the major labels, they don't have much left to stand on, you know, like they, they used to be, you know, I mean, their whole business model was products, you know, and CDs and, you know, distribution. And now, like people aren't buying CDs anymore. Everybody's just streaming. So, you know, what is a label, you know, like I think anybody, you know, with a hosting and a domain can set up a website and distribute their music online themselves and they can 
you know, sign up for DistroKid and distribute their music on Spotify. Nobody needs a label anymore. And so I think we are seeing more, you know, a lot of more independent artists like jumping ship, jumping from major labels and just doing doing what they want. And it is kind of awesome um, to, to see that, you know, there's this split. There's just kind of this whole divide of, you know, top 40 and then just people that are like, you know, you know what? I can do this myself. You know, I have like a solid fan base. I can tour. I can sell merch and um, you put out whatever music I want and um you know i'm I'm excited to to see more of that because uh again yeah the technology is there and you know independent artists you know are more equipped to to you know reach their fans directly than ever so so how do you uh differentiate between like uh can you give me a little bit of uh give us a little bit of an insight uh into how you approach a project where um you know it's 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 more of a creative exercise you have to create like 12 12 15 tracks that have um this 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 uh vibe going and so on uh, but then like let's say uh in the example um of like working with somebody like napoleon the legend who has like particularly stronger political critiques that he uh pack it, packs into his uh, into his verses uh so when you have a when you're is it like really like lifting a lighter load when you're uh making lighter music is it like a, a heavier load when you're making when you're making political music do you have to um you know is is the beat uh, making the beat uh, the process of making the beat uh, different in either case or like you know is it just a uh, is it just similar like you know day at the office for you yeah is it just you doing a vibe check and then kind of like putting it to music uh i mean it depends you know sometimes i make beats just with nothing nothing in mind at all i just make a beat and then like napoleon will hear it and write you know some epic song to it that that i had no idea that those emotions were even like hidden in the beat you know and he extracted them out of it or something like that but then other times yeah you know if i'm writing a you know i do a lot of political kind of rap uh i've done a handful of like political rap songs and stuff like that of just you know my views on different things and and for those tracks you know I definitely had to go to a to a place you know what I mean to write those songs and to create those beats like it definitely yeah it definitely was a a heavier kind of load to lift uh, like you're saying and and you know to write to write to really get in touch with my thoughts and my emotions you know both lyrically and musically I had to you know go to some dark places and and revisit you know things in my past and and things like that so you know it, it is different you know sometimes song, songwriting and beat making are two different things i guess for me and so like sometimes i'll just sit down make a bunch of beats you know go to the record store it's a sunny day you know and i'll just i'll just make beats and that and then and then i'll come back to them later and 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 realize the emotion that that the beat carries and and try to make a song out of it and then i might go to a completely different place you know or or napoleon or somebody else might go to a completely different place when they hear it so so yeah it kind of just depends but uh but it's definitely you know like working on the nina simone project you know i think that was that was a really heavy load i think to to carry there was, there was a lot of stuff there that you know like just within her her story and her life and like just the struggle of black people in in America in general and um yeah there was there was a lot to to kind of bear witness to there musically like while I was working on it so 
then um, kind of to tie that to something that you'd said earlier about, you know, the, the music that you make and uh, off of your own testimony, you could put it up and it could be gone in a few days. You, and you're making it, you know, for a reason. And I, you can, you know, even say like that, that, that project in and of itself is a political project um, to change the policy around these copyright laws um, and, and show that like, this is necessary for art creation. Um, and the fact that you're doing it knowing that, you know, it, it's not easily monetized or can be demonetized, you know, easily, maybe um, uh, uh, more correctly put. Um, <laughs> I guess the, uh, the, the question is, like, how, do, how do we get more of that? You know, or what, what in it, you know, I guess what, what made you kind of decide to, and like, what do you think, what can audiences do, right? You know, we're listeners. What can audiences do to try to inspire more, more of that? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know, just for me, you know, I guess the thing that keeps me going is, you know, uh, is the listeners and the fans that, you know, hit me up every day, you know, like telling me that, you know, they played this for their classroom or, you know, somebody, some of the other, someone hit me up the other day and said, like, she used to listen to Fela Soul when she was a toddler. And now, like, she has a kid and they listen to it together. I was like, really? Has it been that long? I'm like, what? Like, and so it's just crazy to me. Like, you know, people hit me up every day with these inspiring stories about how the music, you know, helped them get through something or, you know, help them introduce Fela Kuti to their son or whatever. And, and, you know, it's just that's the type of stuff that that keeps me going and, and, you know, keeps me wanting to, to create these projects and also like, you know, help others, uh, help other people, you know, carry the torch as well. And, and, and yeah, man, it's, it really is just, just for the love of hip hop, you know, and, and it's full circle now because, you know, I, I did it for the love of hip hop and now, you know, hip hop has put me, uh, taken me to incredible places and, and put me in, in a position to, you know, reach people and, and meet some of my idols and collaborate with them and tour. And, and, you know, um, it hasn't, you know, it hasn't been easy, you know, again, with the, with all the copyright stuff and, and just the music industry in general, but, but yeah, I'm grateful every day. And, uh, and, you know, and as far as what the, what the fans can do to inspire more of it, I mean, you know, I, I definitely encourage, you know, other artists and producers to um, make their stems available, you know, like, uh, you know, there's, there's creative commons, you know, you, you don't have to copyright your stuff the old school way. You can use a creative commons copyright if you put out music now and you can, there's different levels of attribution you can assign to it. So you can say like, people can remix this, but they have to credit me or people can remix this but they have to pay me or people can can't remix this at all, or everybody can remix this. No problem. You know, commercial, non-commercial, you know, there's different, you can, you can design your own copyright now basically with creative commons. And I would encourage the new generation of artists and bands and DJs and producers to start using creative commons copyrights. So, so that we create a plethora of new music to sample from and create from and share and trade and, and be inspired from. And, and so, you know, I'm definitely starting to do that with my original stuff. Like, you know, I'm, I'm putting out some of the acapellas for different things that I'm working on and, and 
I plan to do more of that. And, uh, and, you know, I, I would in- encourage labels and everybody else to do it too. Cause you know, you, you used to see more tools like that back in the day, like in the nineties, like, you know, the 12 inch vinyls used to come with a lot more DJ tools on them. They used to come with acapellas and instrumentals and bonus beats and, you know, different tools, you know, for that very purpose of like, you know, creating a remix or, you know, experimenting with the song and, and having fun with it. And, and, you know, see, you see people call like Kanye now doing the, the stem player, you know, thing that, that he did, you know, where people can take his album home and like, you know, mix, mix the levels up and create their own mix. And, you know, it's obviously. Uh Oh, I guess you're not allowed to say Kanye on calling. We didn't pay. We don't, have, <laughs> we don't have the premium hosting capability, so uh, we're not allowed to say um, shit. Um, everything is built I upon, guess. you know, oh, everything Oh, well, else. we lost you for like 30 seconds and there you go. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. but like, but but that was a very, very good point. Uh, you mentioned Kanye and like basically uh, we we lost you after that. Oh, it's all good. Yeah, I was just talking about his stem player and, and you know, um, and how popular that was. So, you know, just, just look at the potential of, of actually, you know, uh, making sampling and remixing uh, more of a, uh, a tangible thing, you know, that people can grab onto. Like, you know, and that's, I was going to say real quick that, uh, you know, like we haven't really, we're like, you know, this is not you know a show about you know like interrogating anybody's politics or anything like that. But it's just um, you know I can't help but note that there is a a revolutionary act in that of saying you know like I'm going to forfeit any you know or at least some right of of a profit to to art to the creation um, recreation of it. Um, and so I guess you know like. <laughs> appreciate you being to do and being able to do something else. So explaining some of the ways that, you know, other artists can do it, release music and create. And, and, and like you said, hopefully, um, I mean, it would be nice if all artists across the board, you know, started trying to convert their music <laughs> into this, these ways. Um, but then also just creating a whole new, um, base to to create from is is, is fantastic yeah i mean it's it's specifically on the labels and the estates too to kind of realize the potential and and what people like us are doing and open up their catalogs instead of like locking them away in a vault you know um opening up their catalogs to to people like me and, and you know i've been able to do you know some some examples of that, like working with the uh, the Apple commercial, and then I did a I did a track with a remix for the Miles Davis estate, where I, they gave me access to stems that you know were recorded 35 years ago, and then we remixed them and put it out, and um, and so you know um, you know I'm always looking for opportunities again to to bridge the gap and like basically just make peace with the labels, you know, and the estates and, and say, Hey, like, look, I don't want to do this illegally. You know, I'm, I'm doing it. Yeah. To, as a revolutionary act, I guess, to make a statement, you know, and to say like, look, this exists, you know, hip hop exists, you know, it has existed for a long time. Like, and it's, it's literally like the most powerful cultural movement on the planet in case you guys haven't noticed. 
And the one thing that like birthed it was this idea of sampling, you know, that's literally like, if you boil it down to that's, that's where hip hop started was, was two, two turntables and break records. And so, so anyway, but you know, you know, I, I think obviously like, you know, we can try to, um, write our senators and, and all of that. But, um, I think, you know, I think what I'm doing is a more direct way of, of kind of, like I said, protesting and, and creating a conversation around it, around it to where people have to listen and they have to speak up and they have to talk about it. And, and, you know, every time one of these projects gets shut, gets shut down, it obviously is just a bigger publicity for it, you know, and, and people just want it even more because it becomes this top secret thing. Like Bizarre Tribe is no longer on my platforms, but it's everywhere now, you know, it's on like a million different YouTube channels. Now it's all over the internet. And, you know, uh, it's been bootlegged to vinyl, you know, you can't stop, you know, culture and art and, you know, creativity will find a way basically. And you, you can't hold it. You can't contain it. You can cut down a few roses, but you can't stop the spring. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, I, I also wanted to ask you, I mean, this is something that, uh, we, uh, we came up with, uh, a while ago, I forget which show exactly, but uh, how basically the artist is serving as a brand ambassador for beats, because a lot of times when music gets placed on, uh, you know, in movies and uh, a soundtrack in TV shows and whatnot, um, nobody's really paying attention to what the artist is actually saying. It's just basically background music. Um, and it's because the beat is uh, setting the vibe. So given this, you would imagine that the producer plays a far more central role uh, in the music industry, essentially. But I don't know if that's the case because the artist is still like, you know, the artist still reigns reign supreme. Uh, given how, you know, integral uh, the the beat is to our current life, like not even, you know, just movies or TV or whatever. Um, wh how, why do you think the producers are not more front and center? And what do you think can be done for producers to have more of a, a presence uh, in the zeitgeist uh, compared to, you know, like, I don't even know who the producer of Kendrick Lamar is, but Kendrick Lamar is uh, way more popular than his producer would ever be. And I can kind of, at least it would be my personal take that like, I think Kendrick Lamar is like 99% the, the people who produce him and like the beat, the, the, the beats that he raps on more than the raps themselves. Um, so what do you think would uh, make the producer more front and center? um <clears throat> that's a good question um yeah i mean i think you know i think producers you know specifically i'm not talking about i'm specifically talking about like kind of up-and-coming producers that don't necessarily know the ins and outs of the music biz i think and that, that was me for a while too and i'm starting to get more hip and savvy to it and you know i've been doing this for a while but you know when I started out, I didn't really know the ins and outs of, of the music business and publishing and, and points and royalties and, you know, BMI statements and ASCAP and music licensing. And so, you know, I guess my advice to producers is just, just educate yourself, you know, like, like, again, you know, we, we live in a time now where the internet is freely available and, and, you know, there's, there's so much information out there and, you know, if you just know where to find it, um, 
you know, I'm always happy to help people, you know, upcoming producers that are having questions or struggling with, you know, how to, how to take their career to the next level. Like, you know, it's, it's, um, it's difficult, but, you know, I've, I've definitely learned a lot and, you know, there's some things that I wish I had known earlier in my career. And, um, and yeah, it's just, uh, I think, you know, one of the best advice I can give to, you know, current producers or upcoming producers that, you know, want to have more of a presence and want to be more in the forefront and just want to make their career, you know, awesome is to just focus on your community, you know, focus on, the people around you, if you know some dope rappers like down the street that want to work with you, work with them. You know, like if, if you if there's an upcoming MC that you meet at a hip hop show, you know, exchange info like, you know, it's it's much more likely that you build a relationship with somebody, somebody like or, a, you know, an artist or a handful of artists in your city and grow with them and blow up with them. than it is like you're going to. It's much more likely to happen than than you like sliding into Drake's DMs and, and and like magically you know he uses one of your beats or something you know like I think people have a lot of these fantasy stories in their mind and sometimes it does happen and you hear stories like that but like you know I think really just build your catalog you know that's really it it's just like make beats every day you know build your catalog you know look into music licensing for film and TV because that's a huge avenue for revenue. For music producers um you know there's so many revenue streams for music producers that's the thing with with an artist you know the artist is kind of dependent on a producer you know artists can't have a song without a beat a music producer a hip-hop producer can put out instrumental beat tapes they can do music licensing we can do sample packs we can do dj you know like uh you know you can custom compose stuff for yeah films and games and television commercials, you know, the, the sky's the limit. So uh, again, uh, as a producer, we've never had more available options to us to brand ourselves. And, you know, I think it's just a matter of educating ourselves and, 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 you know, taking our careers to the next level. And and so, yeah, I encourage, encourage people to do, do that. (laughs) No, it's it's, it's a pretty important, um, you know, as far as like, yeah, learning to fly before you jump out of the out of the nest <laughs> um but uh i, I do want to you know like callers know like um a the lines are open and i do want to ask you know how much how much time do we have because you know i mean we're good because i we're good because i was late so y'all you know. <laughs> um, so let, let's like uh let's play the song from uh, we, we want to talk about your album like your instrumental album that's like uh, newly out so let's play something from that album and uh we'll talk about the album and how you you know wh- how how these beats come together to create the create the theme of gratitude for you
So what's what's cool about this uh, track is that it's called Home, um, and it's like it it comes up after uh, seven or seven or eight tracks. I'm not sure uh, how many, but uh, with different names like Butterflies, Sunshine, Joy, etc. And then it lands on Home, and it's interesting that the Home track is uh, kind of old school R and B slash funk. Um, and then you do go on a journey uh, that's not exactly always R&B or funk. And now here uh, for the home track, you you kind of feel like you're listening to uh, the meters or something or Parliament uh, without the without the front man. So, Amerigo, uh, what's the what's the rationale behind Gratitude, and uh, what's the arc you wanted to create with the album? Uh, you're muted. Sorry about that. Um... Yeah, I guess with the track Home, um, I guess it is kind of, it's bringing it home in a way. It's, it's like I'm bringing it back to my roots. Like, I guess my roots are R&B and funk and soul mostly. You know, that's kind of uh, where I live musically for the most part. And and also, you know, I'm, I'm from Nashville, Tennessee, and, and that was also a melting pot for a lot of R&B and funk and soul and, and in the 60s and 70s um so there's a lot of history there and um and so you know i thought that was just an appropriate last trap but um but yeah with gratitude you know it was basically just just that i wanted to give thanks i wanted to create a project that just you know um you know express gratitude and so every every track is named after something that i'm grateful for and uh you know it's kind of vague but it's also you know, open to interpretation for others too. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I just wanted to create a vibe, you know, I think I created that, you know, at the end of 2021, maybe. Uh, yeah, I think it was, or no, the end of 2020, I created, uh, gratitude and I was in the middle of moving during the pandemic and we were here in Croatia, like looking for apartments and it was just kind of stressful, you know, and, and things were really, kind of rocky at the time and we weren't sure if we were going to find a place and and we had just you know kind of pulled all our stuff out of cali and moved to croatia you know and really weren't sure about our future and 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 i was just kind of reflecting and and stressed out and you know at at that time i just wanted to remind myself to give gratitude for for everything you know that that we had been through up until that point, the good and the bad, because, you know, I like the quote on the, that I included in the album liner notes. There's a quote that says, you know, be, be thankful for everything, you know, good or bad, because that's, that's what made you who you are basically. And, and so I just wanted to do that. And then, you know, with this, the sister project to that, um, solitude, uh, which is kind of, it's part of a two, two part series, you know, solitude and gratitude. And so solitude was created at the beginning of the quarantine, you know, when everything got locked down, every, everybody had to go into isolation and shelter in place. And, you know, that was just a really strange time. And, and again, you know, people were just searching for ways to kind of get through it mentally and spiritually. And, you know, DJs were live streaming and, you know, everybody was kind of searching for ways of escape you know, during, during that time. And, and so I created solitude as a way for that, for, for myself and for others to escape and just find a little bit of so- solitude and peace, you know, during all that mess. And so, so yeah, those are kind of the inspiration behind those two particular instrumental projects, uh, solitude and gratitude. Oh man. You know, I had a question um, and I just lost it because I was just listening to what you were saying. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> 
Um, oh yeah, no, as you as you were putting, yeah, I got it back. Uh, as you were uh, kind of saying, you know, like you're making music is, you know, put up for uh, interpretation. I'm always kind of curious with you know any artist we're able to speak with. How how do you want people to hear you? How do you know how do yeah you want people to to hear you as an artist? Um, like in the car and the <laughs> oh no, the, yeah, like as, in the yeah, bathtub or <laughs> um no, like I, more yeah. of just uh hey you know this like oh this is just uh, it's a producer who's you know dope and does great mashups or you know this is uh, uh artist that usually utilizes you know these <laughs> his historical uh, musicians with uh uh, with, with these modern uh, artists and, and, and make something great to make a political statement, you know, I, I guess. How, yeah, how, yeah. How do you want to be no, seen think, as an artist? I mean, yeah, I think I think a lot of people do see me as that, and and it is part of who I am. You know, the, this this producer that that recontextualizes, you know, his favorite artists into these these you know these historical kind of musical documentary projects called called the soulmates project, which I've done. And, you know, I'm probably most famous for, but, you know, at the same time, I am kind of in a, in a transitional period of, of trying to reinvent myself and, and pivot from that, you know, it, as much as I love doing the soulmates project and, and the remixes and the mashups, you know, as, as you guys mentioned before, it's, it's difficult to monetize. And, you know, I have been a, a revolutionary and I have done it for the love for a while. And I think I've paid my dues and I think I've, you know, I've made my point. And, you know, if I do have great mashup or, you know, soulmates project ideas in the future and I want to pursue them, I'll, I'll continue to do it. But at the same time, I think it's it's also a time in my life where I want to pursue other things and, and uh, you know, collaborate with more artists like like the Napoleon project that I did or put out more instrumental tapes like like Solitude and Gratitude and and do more music for for licensing and film, which which I just did a whole album for for music licensing uh library that's that's going to come out soon so so you know I, i'm working on a lot of different different other things and and just exploring other other mediums mediums and ways of, of expressing myself as an artist you know i'll also rap and write lyrics and that's something i haven't really taken taken the full dedication and time to to dive into and explore as much as i'd like to because because i've been kind of just so busy doing the soulmates project and and maintaining my DJ career that, you know, I haven't really taken the time to explore that side of myself as well. So, so that's something I'm, I'm looking forward to. And, uh, and yeah, um, you know, I, I guess I just, you know, I want, I want me people, people to see me as Amerigo more than a mashup Gazaway. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think <laughs> that's a nickname that, that certain people have, have certain blogs and stuff have attributed to me because my mashups are, you know, a lot of times they feel like more more than a mashup, you know, because because they're so or, you know put together in such a art, uh, articulate kind of way. But but at the same time, I, I do want the world to know that that I, I'm not a one trick pony, and that that I actually you know I do a lot of different things, and I got a lot of tricks up my sleeve. You know, I'm I'm always creating. I'm I'm you know I'm doing pixel art now i'm like creating collages and i'm doing lego stop mo motion animation over here in my <laughs> free time like uh, my my brain is like all over the place and it's impossible to kind of contain 
contain it and just keep me focused on one thing. And, uh, and so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping, yeah, uh, in the future, you guys will see, uh, different sides of, of, of who I am. So what's the kind of, uh, you said that you, you did write some political stuff and, uh, I don't, I don't believe that I've like, uh, gone so far as to hear them, but like, uh, I, it would be really nice. I mean, like we, we got a glimpse of your politics through the, the sampling uh, work that you talk about, like uh, how you are actually political in the way that you, um, engage with sampling and like how, uh, you want more creative commons materials, etc. Uh, but, uh, as far as like overall, overall kind of message, that you think could be um, more uh, like I put forth in, in, in the form of music, what kind of messages do you think uh, you would like to hear more um, among artists and, uh, uh, you know, especially in political music, because we tend to ex- almost exclusively engage in political music that has a very nostalgic feel, which recollects like a, a past when we were political or like political events and uh, radical uh, revolutionary things from the past. Uh, but we don't get a sense of like, uh, not often get a sense of how politics are to be in the present. Uh, so what kind of politics would you like to see more uh, or hear more in music um, in the present? Even if you said, as you said, like you're not going to be the one who, uh, you know, engages in that because you're kind of, uh, you feel like you've done your part. Um, I don't know. I, I think, yeah, I think just there's a time and a place for everything. You know, I think obviously people love the party and party music should exist and people should be able to listen to party music when they party. <laughs> but at right. the same time, I think, I think revolutionary music is also uh necessary like nina simone said it's it's our duty as an artist to to speak to the times and so that's that's why i write political music i guess when i do it and and it's it's i feel it's 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 only when i feel like i really have something to say you know and that's that's i guess that's why i rap so rarely and that's why i haven't rapped as much or explored my lyrical side as much because i only do it when i really have something to say and i'm not gonna just bullshit i'm not or you know I'm not just going to throw something out there just to say I have a rap record, you know? And, and so I guess that's why I've taken my time with it. But, but, um, you know, with the with songs that I put out, you know, I put out a handful of political rap songs ranging from talk topics to from Occupy Wall Street to Trayvon Martin to, uh, Black Lives Matter to, um, uh, you know, all, uh, a lot of different topics and uh, that I'm passionate about, you know, gun violence, uh, gun control in the States. You know, I lost one of my best friends in 2006 to, to gun violence. And so ever ever since then, I've been really outspoken about it um, just in general and also, you know, through, through these songs that I write. Um, so, you know, there, you know, the world's the world's messed up. There's a lot of issues to talk about. Um, you know, I, I don't want to tell any, anyone that any one issue isn't more important than the other. So, you know, I, I just encourage everybody to, to use music as a vehicle to, to express their views because it, it's really powerful. It, it really is more powerful than any, uh, marketing ad or campaign you know music is is really touches people in 
mm. in the soul in a way that like other mediums can't. And so you can really you can really get inside people's hearts with music and and maybe even change their views, you know. So it's it's a powerful powerful thing. And you know, we as artists, like I said, like Nina Simone said, I think it's our duty to to speak to the times. Um and uh I do have a question and then I'm I'm gonna uh prompt the, the listeners to say if, if if we don't get a call, this might be uh, probably be like the last, or we'll be wrapping it up here pretty soon. Um, and, and you, you just you mentioned gun violence, and I know that you live, you know, overseas at least from <laughs> the American perspective. <laughs> uh, is I guess I'm wondering: do is, is have you you know spoken with anybody? Do, they, do people ask you? You know, are they aware? Like you know, like you <laughs> here, you know, live in the states and. Um, have have you know such a, a, a you know a deep you know connection to to, to to gun violence? Um, like I guess you know what are the are you like? Do you have those conversations? And I'm curious to what they're like. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I it's it's something that comes up a lot, especially now that I'm living overseas. You know, it's uh, it's a different perspective. You know, and and even I have a different perspective uh living overseas now because you know growing up in america you know i've been robbed at gunpoint several multiple times in my life and i know you know most other people i know probably have too and it's it's, it's literally just a part of life in, in inner cities and and you know uh metropolitan you know urban environments in america and um what was I going to say? Um, yeah, it's just, it's just a different feeling because, um, even when I went back to visit, you know, the States not too long ago, uh, there was a different feeling when I touched down and, you know, when I was, when I'm walking around the streets and <laughs> I'm just a little bit more, uh, cautious, you know what I mean? I'm like looking over my shoulder a little bit more. I just, you know, you feel this, this vibe. The second you touch down, you're like, oh, shit, I'm back in America again. Like, not everything is, is hunky-dory. Like, you know, like, I got to make sure I got my laptop, you know, I got my laptop on me. You know, like, I got some valuables on me right now. And, like, I don't know where what the, what street I'm on right now. I need to get on this train. Like, you know, it, it is a different vibe here in Europe. And I don't think people even understand or have been able to have even – can even comprehend that because they've never experienced it. You know, it's just like uh, – uh, racism or something like like people haven't experienced it so they, they still can't even wrap their head around it but like once once you've experienced it it's a different thing and so I guess yeah living overseas here and being an American I feel it you know I feel again it's like um, my duty to to you know be be honest with people and, and you know have these conversations um, because I think they're important so All right. You know, and, and I guess you know, like some you know, like hyperbole in this, um, but like you're describing a set, you know, what seems to be a, like a greater sense of freedom, um, you know, <laughs> from in you know in in Europe than like oh hey we're the freest country in the you know and all that type of stuff because we got all these you know it's like this society you know constricts in ways that um, people don't people don't realize and really don't think about. Um, and again, sometimes it, you know, it takes, 
literally being somewhere else, you know, and, and being able to look around and see for yourself. Um, and maybe that's, <laughs> maybe that's the problem, you know, not enough Americans actually get that experience or, or open to it in the first place. Um, yeah. To travel and, and realize that there's an alternative way of life that, you know, it doesn't have to be this way. You know, we don't have to live in, in a country where kids get murdered with assault rifles, you know, that it just doesn't happen in other countries. And, and that I'm not saying Europe's perfect and definitely, you know, there's a lot of problems here, you know, in Croatia and many other countries in Europe. Um, but, you know, when I go to the grocery store, I, I do feel safer, you know, and, and that is something, it's just, it's a different feeling that I have here that I've never, never really felt, you know, uh, in, in the States, especially after losing, me and my best friend and, and all of that is just ever since that, you know, I've always just kind of been looking over my shoulder and, and kind of just uh, on edge, you know, and um, it's, you know, it's a different feeling, feeling here. And there is gun violence, you know, there is uh, occasional, some, you know, sometimes there's an occasional shooting or something happens, but, you know, when it happens here, it's a big deal. And the news covers it for weeks and they talk about it and they get on the air and they, they discuss how we can fix it and they pass laws and they, they do something about it, you know, and that's the difference. And that's what pisses me off, I guess, about America the most, you know what I mean? And, and um, it's got to change. Yeah. Uh, yes, I, uh, I agree 100 um, percent. Uh, I think another conversation, a whole other conversation on how to make that change happen. Um, the, you know, we can go on hours for that. Um, but Karthik, I don't know if you had anything more, um, but. Uh, I think we can uh, play, us, uh, play us out with uh, a clip from uh, Return to Crooklyn, which, yes. uh, which is pretty, pretty great. This one I think is Kaizu's uh, verse which is pretty, like, it's a great beat. It's a great, great track, all, all in all. Uh, you should definitely check out the whole album, The World Changed. Uh, definitely check out uh, Amerigo's uh, Gratitude album. But uh, I think if you, if you're, if, if you want uh, a, the full hip-hop experience of uh, great MCs and uh, great tracks, all in all, like, definitely check out The World Changed, which came out last November, I think. Uh, probably one of the, one of the best albums of the year, uh, it, period, like not just, you know, in, in, in underground hip hop or independent hip hop or anything like that. But let's hear uh, Return to Crooklyn before we say our goodbyes. Brooklyn, New York City, where we paint murals of Biggie and pop smoke and Sean Price for the love of memories. Flag in the dirt that everyone want to rep for. Out of town and screaming and vowing not to be left off. My block was do the right thing, come to life. In the summer, you shoot to the store and you shooting dice. Two slices, a daily routine. Like if my hood was on my shirt and my beliefs is where my radio be. You do the math. Huh? Meanwhile, I be on a park bench, refilling this cup of Henny until the dark hits. The vibe's good, but keep an eye where the knocks went. Because New Brooklyn are calling me, get us all clipped. But shit is cool, we the county of kings. Where the love buries the hate, honey. Count of the rings, do a dying to fill. Know the pride is real, and this is ours, regardless what they dying to build. B R double O K L Y N, Kings County, L Y. From beginning to end, what's known and gotta be said. It's where the greatness sparks. Spread love, that's Brooklyn, you know in your heart. B R double O K L Y N, Kings County, L Y. From beginning to end, what's known and gotta be said. It's where the greatness sparks. Spread love, that's Brooklyn, you know in your heart. 
Man, you know, like the thing that I love about the, that that track too is the cutoff in the piano. Like you, you cut off the piano on some of the, uh, some of the hits. You know, like kind of like yeah, the choppy, choppy with, effect. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but Amerigo, thank you so much for uh, spending this, you know, time with us. Uh, sorry about the new technologies and apps and stuff like that, but the world is ever changing. <laughs> um, if not, at least always on our phones. Um, but, uh, if you do want to let know, people know where they can find you, how to support you and all those things. Uh, yeah, for sure. You can, uh, you can find me on my website, amerigomusic.com and then all social media. I'm just Amerigo Gazaway on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, uh, all of YouTube, all of that. And I also have a Patreon that I just launched um, where you can get access to my full discography plus uh, remixes, instrumentals, B-sides, clean edits, etc. So, so yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Thank, and, yeah, thanks again for having me. Again, sorry, yeah, sorry about the technical difficulties, but, um, yeah, oh, really, no, really, no. really enjoyed the conversation. So. Yeah, thank, thanks for having you know, me. I, I mean, I don't mention it. I know this, I blame the technology. Always, I always blame the technology. Humans can make no mistakes. As soon as we could turn something on, that's where we went wrong. Um, no, uh, <laughs> but at least when it comes to these infernal apps, uh, that may be true. Uh, but everybody, thanks for hanging out. Amerigo, thanks again for, 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 for chilling with us and, 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 and engaging with our, our the discussion and Karthik, uh, we will see you Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday hopefully, at 8. Wednesday at 8. Hopefully we'll have someone dope. Um, but I'm a little too tired at this point to even think about it. So thanks for hanging out. We'll see you later. And we are out. <laughs>